Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Good morning, everyone. Are there any people here who are fans of the snow? Any, any snow fans? It is always phenomenal to me how the Lord and his wisdom creates people to love something as crazy as snow. Um, <laughs> no. I think if I didn't drive an hour and a half to work, an hour and a half from work every day, I might love snow a little bit more, but something about snow. Yesterday's snow wasn't bad, um, but it is beautiful, and I do, I do enjoy the look of fresh snow. Um, I don't enjoy, obviously, driving in that snow, um, and it's, you know, something so beautiful can also be so, so dangerous and, and whatever. This actually has nothing to do with anything I'm going to say. I just was Reminded of the snow when I came in this morning, and I'm just like, I'm sure there are people that are in our church that love the snow, and I was so blessed to see it, and I was kind of not so much. All right, confession's done for the morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, I've been praying a lot this week, um, actually for the last couple weeks, but in particularly this week about, um, as we're thinking about this week of prayer and fasting. And, you know, it's, we get the prayer part, and we're, we're, we're open to, you know what, that's a good thing as a church, as a congregation, to come together and pray. And many of us would say, well, I mean, okay, maybe not the coming together and praying part, but I will pray from wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, generally speaking. Um, so I get the prayer part. That's Okay. It's that other part that I've, people generally have a much bigger issue with, that fasting. And so I've been just thinking about fasting and thinking about um, what, what God would have our posture to be as we think about going into a week of not only praying and saying, God, this is, this is the way you know, we would like to start our year on, on our knees and in a sense of prayer, but the and fasting. And so if you guys would allow me, we're just going to take a few moments and we're going to kind of just talk about that just a little bit. And then as a part of, of um, today, you are receiving an envelope and in that envelope is a blank index card. Um, and so you're probably wondering what that's all about. Uh, and so uh, at a time, we'll, we'll talk more about it. But what that is, is last year for 2018, we, everyone received an index card and, a, and an envelope. Um, and we got a chance to kind of write our, our prayers and our kind of things that we're waiting and ask, expectation for in 2018. Um, and then we were attempting to hand those out today, and we didn't do a very good job. So we actually have them the majority of them out on the back table, out in the foyer, back out behind here, that you can grab on your way out. Um, but we're going to do that again for 2019. So we're going to connect these two things together. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about, in order to talk about fasting, I want to talk about the things we pursue. 
So it was amazing because Ruth had a great word about what are those things that bring us pleasure, right? As she shared um, with us and as she gave an, an admonishment to us about being called upward. And essentially, I could just say amen to that, and that would be the message for this morning. Because without us having had any conversation, it really is kind of a very, almost the same thought. But what is it that you pursue? I mean, when we think about pursuit and we think about things we've pursued in our lives, I mean, there are things, some of us, I mean, we've got, you know, young adults in this room that are pursuing a college degree. And when you think about the pursuit of a college degree, some of you have maybe have done school in, in the past, and you think of all the work that it took to pursue that degree, studying late at night and writing papers and giving speeches, and oh my goodness, you know that those group projects that you absolutely love, I mean absolutely hate, right? But you endure those for the pursuit of that diploma. I mean, some of you pursue jobs and have gone to interview after interview after interview, have done 50 reiterations of your, of your resume in order to try to get the right keywords in place so that it'll get picked up by the right person so that you get the call and then you get all dressed up and you go in early, you looking your best and trying to talk your best and, you know, presenting yourself and thinking of, okay, what weakness can I give that's an actual weakness but not really a weakness because I don't want to come across as, you know how you do that? in pursuit of a job. It's important. I mean, some of us can think back to our pursuit of our fiance, spouse. If anybody thinks about the effort that it took in that pursuit, I'll just tell you a real quick part of my own personal story. Michelle's not in the room at the moment, so I think I could get away with it. But I was in a situation in my life when, before I met Michelle where I had pretty much, I had been in a long-term relationship and it went nowhere and I told the Lord, I'm done. Say, God, I am done with women, relationships, period. I'm just focused on you. I'm just going to do ministry and that's going to be it. God, it's just you and I forsake all others. And then he moved me to Chicago about three years later. And into the lunchroom of this building in which I was now working came this, oh, vision of beauty. <laughs> we absolutely did not uh, work that, like that was not choreographed. <laughs> okay, now I got to change the story. No, we're going for it anyway. We're going to do it. It's easier to ask for permission or forgiveness than permission. Okay. Um, but all of a sudden, here walks this woman. Took my breath away. And I was like, I'm way out of my league. Let me get that out of my head. And then I just went on with life. And it was a blessing and the curse of a nosy, busy-bodied co-worker who decided to play matchmaker, who at least found out that this vision of beauty that I saw in the lunchroom does not speak to and will not even entertain conversation with people she works with. Great policy. Not for me, but great for other people. And so it's like, what do you do? I want to pursue, 
but we technically, I mean, technically we didn't work together. We worked in the same building. It really doesn't count. She was director of a program. I was director of a completely different program. We really didn't see each other other than lunchroom. So I could have made a case that technically we don't work together, so that policy doesn't apply to me, but I wasn't bold enough to do that. So I'm like, well, what do you do? What do you do when your heart is saying, you want to try to get to know this person, but everything is saying, this ain't going to work out. And so I was like, do you give up? No, I don't give up. I'm not that kind of person. I said, this is what I'm going to do. Because she doesn't want to talk to men, people that she works with, let's write her a letter. That's not talking. That's way different. And I couldn't send her an email because that seemed very worky because I only knew her work email address. So I'm like, well, that wouldn't work. So I build up this boldness in order to pursue this young lady to write this letter. And it took me days. And it was the most heartfelt thing I could think of. Let's go out and have hot chocolate. I would love to get to know you. (laughs) And then I had one issue in this pursuit I didn't know her address. So I could only send it to the one place I knew to send it. I put it in the mailbox to send it to the second floor of the building that we both worked in in order to try to bypass the system in order to get through the policy that it would allow me to at least say, hey, I'm interested. Well, 12 years later, been married, kids, but that pursuit took effort. That pursuit of my wife took work. It took time. And even as we got to know each other, and we were both determined that we would not be, no one at our work could place could know that there was even a relationship happening. So we weren't, even once we were dating, quote unquote, which we would say we, we never did, even while we were getting to know one another, no one in our workplace could know. Even that nosy, busybody coworker who was playing matchmaker could know. We were engaged, and no one knew until we decided that it was time because we were like, this has nothing to do with anyone else. My pursuit of her heart was really between her and I. And we don't need any busybody people trying to get in the middle of that. I hope you see where I'm trying to go. The pursuit of things in our lives that we go after and we're willing to put our effort and energy into, those things are very real and very tangible things. Yet somehow, when it comes to our pursuit of Christ, our pursuit of God, our pursuit of his righteousness, our pursuit of holiness, now all of a sudden we get very theoretical. It's in our hearts, right? The idea of actually doing anything to pursue God is that's because it's all just about what's in here. If my heart is there, then then it's good. But I believe that there is a tangible manifestation of our pursuit of Christ that we cannot ignore. And I want to challenge us this morning that pursuing God is an active. It is a participatory. 
It is indeed has tangible aspects to it. And I believe that fasting is one of those. It is the getting up and putting on your suit to go to a job interview. It is the actually writing the paper at the middle middle of the night because you know it's due tomorrow because you need this grade. It is that tangible and active. It is the writing the letter and putting it in the mailbox to try to reach a young lady that you have a certain interest in. It's that active. Matthew 5, 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those, we, we, could, we, can, we can put it in, a, in another way, blessed are those who pursue righteousness, for they will catch it. Active pursuit, active hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst, guess what, is a real feeling. I don't know if it's a feeling, I don't know what you call that, but it's real, you know it. When you're hungry, you know it. Your stomach tells you, when you're thirsty and your mouth gets dry, you know it. It is very real. It's very tangible. It's very, oh my goodness, I don't need, there's no mistaking what's going on here. I am hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. To actually palpably can sense and feel this desire to want to know God in a deeper and in a more in-depth way. That it becomes that tangible to us, that it becomes that real to us. And the good news is, if we pursue him, if we hunger and thirst for him, it tells us that we will be satisfied. That he's not going to leave us hungry. That he's not going to leave us thirsty. That he's not going to leave us in pursuit of him and not make himself catchable if you will. I often tell the story, and, it, and it's, just, it's always a constant reminder to me of when my kids were younger and we would play hide and seek. Right? Any of you are kids, I'm sure it's the same way. All right, you guys, go hide. My kids, at the time, seemingly could care less about the actual hiding. The part of the game they loved was the being found. And so that's why they would be behind the curtain, feet sticking out, big bulge in the curtains, giggling to no end. Not a very good job of hiding, right? But it wasn't about the hiding that made the game fun. That's why those of you who played that game and sent your kids off to hide and then you went and did something else, shame on you. (laughs) Some young people are still scarred. Some of you are still scarred. Won't play that game to this day. Still never been found. Anyways. But that's the beauty of God when he tells us, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the right things of God, 
don't worry. I'm not going to just let you be hungry and thirst. You hunger for me, and then I'm going to give you manna from heaven. I'm going to feed you all that you are hungry and thirsty for. And the more hungry and thirsty you come, the more I'm willing to give you. I will never, ever, ever leave you in that way. It's not the hungering and thirsting. That is just saying your need for me. And then he's saying, I'm going to give it to you in abundance, in fullness. But we got to get to a point first where we hunger and thirst. We have to get to the point first where we're willing to pursue. In order to pursue God, in order to pursue those things that are right in God. In essence, righteousness is just being able or being called or being willing to do everything that God has called us to do. It's hard work. (laughs) Scary stuff. But it's meaningful. Romans 10, 1 through 4 says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that, first of all, they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. I mean, they're really zealous, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So let's just break that down in in just the, the simplest of terms. It says, for I can testify that these people were zealous for God. They did a lot of the Christian-y stuff. But that was not based on the knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge of who God actually was. They were zealous for doing things, but not zealous for knowing the one for which you even do those things. Right? And so he said, they did not know the righteousness of God, so they sought to establish their own form of righteousness. And some of us can get in that trap where we start to feel really good about ourselves for the things that we're doing, quote-unquote, for God. And unfortunately, there is going to be that time, and Scripture tells us that there are going to be some, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do all these things? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, when we're going to talk about prayer and fasting, this isn't just an action. It's not just an act that in and of itself is in some way going to make us more spiritual or in some way going to do anything apart from it being applied in relation to who Christ Verse 4 tells us that Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. There is no righteousness to pursue or to create, right, if we don't know Christ, who is indeed the culmination of all these things. Romans 1.17 says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is revealed in the gospel. So if we're to pursue righteousness, meaning we are to pursue Jesus Christ means that our hearts must be drawn to him, that there is no righteousness apart from him. Because of the gospel, he has given us his righteousness. It is an imputed righteousness. I love that word because it sounds big, but it simply means it's not ours. It was given to us. And so he's saying that the gospel, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, 
the righteousness will live by faith. So why do I say all this when I'm telling you we're going to talk about fasting? I say all this to say that if we're not in this start of 2019, what are we, 13 days in to 2019? If we're not going to pursue God this year with everything, then let's recalibrate those things that we are pursuing. Let's take a moment while we're here, while we're together in the midst of our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, what am I going to be pursuing this year that is more important than pursuing the God who loved me so much that he would die to give me his righteousness? Because mine is pretty bad. I have none of my own. So unless I pursue Christ, unless I hunger and thirsting for him, what else goes on the top of your pursuit list for 2019? Now, honestly, think about it. Because we're saying as a church, our desire is that we are going to go upward with Christ in 2019, that we together as a collective body, meaning a bunch of individual bodies, will be pursuing, will be hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for God. And we know that this righteousness is nothing that we do in and of ourselves. It is only because of who Christ is and what he accomplished on the cross. So if we're going to do that, then that means that the other things that we put in first place or second place or third place above our pursuit of God needs to be taken away. That in order for us to ever talk about this idea of fasting, we must first come to a realization that God has to be top priority for that to even make any sense whatsoever. That until that point is clear in our hearts, there is nothing to say about fasting. Because then all I'm going to say is, get your heart right with God. So together, as a body, as a church, as a people who are called by his name, Christ followers, children of God, a royal priesthood. I mean, he's got name after name after name for us as his children. Are we going to in this new year, make God the priority in our lives? Or are we going to continue to pursue meaningless things? And don't get me wrong, a job is important. I am blessed to have one too. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if eternity is real, and I know there may be some in here who even question, what is all this for? What's the purpose? What if you get to the end and there's nothing there and then you're just dead in a box somewhere? Well, there's only one way for us to find that out. And we're all going to end up there someday. I often tell people, I don't have enough confidence in my gambling abilities to gamble that fact. Some people do. Some people have a lot more faith, honestly, 
in that reality. I am willing to stake everything that at the end, there is nothing there. Therefore, I'm going to live however I want now. I'm going to gratify every desire I have right now because this is as good as it's going to get. I can't do that one. I've been wrong on little simple things. (laughs) I thought the Bears were going to win last week, you know? I mean, seriously, like, I've been wrong on things that are, don't even matter for anything in the world, and now you're, you're talking about staking, hedging bets on whether or not the reality of the gospel is a true reality. Oh, I, I don't have enough. I can't go there. <laughs> Some people, I applaud, and I don't applaud that. So then if we decide, and I'm going to assume that we have made up our minds, however, where are we going to live on this, that we are going to together, collectively and individually, that we're going to pursue Christ, that we are going to, he is paramount in our lives, then we can talk about Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And I'm going to read this, these two verses, but, or three verses, but the reality is it's only three words that really matter. But he says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. This is Jesus talking. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only to your father who is unseen and your father who is seen, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And I I read all that really to only get to the first three words. When you fast. See it? That's Jesus. When you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He didn't say if this part of your faith tradition, church tradition, if this is part of what you feel is right, if this is part of what you think might be the good thing to do, if you, you know, he said no. It was very matter of fact to his disciples and, and therefore very matter of fact to us that when you fast, this is how you do that. Right? This, is, this is not a, a, a zealous activity that you use to put in front of everyone to say, oh, look at me, I'm doing this. Aren't I really spiritual? No, there's just this simple sense of when you do this, it is, it is something that is between you and God. It's really not about everyone else. There's a quote from David Mathis. He's a pastor and a writer. He says, We fast in this life because we believe in the life to come. We don't have to get it all here and now because we have a promise that we will have it all in the coming age. We fast from what we can see and taste because we have tasted and seen the goodness of the invisible and infinite God and are desperately hungry for more of him. We fast from what we can see and taste. Because in some ways, some small ways or large ways, we have tasted and seen the goodness of God. And we are desperately hungry for more. That's fasting. Fasting is taking away of something, of a pleasure, as as Ruth shared with us, as a a pleasure, as as something that is even even a necessity, food, if you will, as as an area to fast. And to in that place and in that stead, to then put in that time that you would this pursuit or this seeking or this hunger and thirsting for God. 
to say, God, not even my physical needs outweigh my desire for you. That every hunger pang, if I'm giving up food, one meal or several meals or whatever, is a reminder to me that I need to be getting on my knees, on my face before you. That I want to grow in deeper and deeper relationship with you. That God, in 2019, I don't want to be at the same place that I was in 2018, but take me upward. Bring me to a new place in my understanding of who you are. Not of my own righteousness or my own actions or activities, but that I would understand better the gift of the righteousness of God. And so as a church, we're saying for for this week, starting tonight and over these next few days, we're going to get together on Tuesday and then on Thursday, but throughout this week, that we are going to focus as a body on prayer and fasting. And fasting can take any number of different ways, whether it is fasting from TV or your cell phone or, you know, whatever other kind of pleasure you may place above God in your life. And maybe it is fasting from food, and there are people who fast from breakfast or lunch. And if you have medical issues and you can't do those, then you would do something else. It's not my job or role to tell you how to fast or what to fast. I am simply saying that we need to make up our minds as individuals and as a body that we are going to, together, pray and fast. That we, together, want to start this year off pursuing, hungering, and thirsting for the living God. That as we do that, things in our lives will change. That as we pursue him, as we hunger and thirst for him, and as he allows us to seek to find him, because again, it's not just about pursuing. He doesn't want us just to pursue for the sake of pursuing. He wants us to pursue so he can say, here I am. All you can eat right here. I am a consistent and constant buffet, and everything that I offer is always different. It's not like old country buffet, where you get the same stuff every time. He's saying, no, when you come to me, when you feast on me, it's always new. It's always different, because we're always going through new and different things in our lives. What you needed yesterday isn't going to work. God knows that. So what does he say? I got something new today. Come feast, right? I know what's coming ahead. You don't see it yet, but I know it's coming, and it's going to be something that's going to be tough, but feast on me because you need to be strengthened so that when it comes, you're ready. But you got to hunger for him first before you will ever run to him and go to him and say, God, I need you. I want more of you. I want to grow in you. So let's pursue him together. Let's come to this place and say, man, we're so not perfect. Our hearts are dirty in there. I guess I can only speak for myself. Hearts deceitful above all. But when I seek him and I pursue him, he then 
somehow is able to maybe not overlook, but forgive all of my shortcomings. Give me his righteousness, which is just beyond me because I so don't deserve it. And then says, and now I've given you a message to speak. I've given you something to say. Now go and share that with the world. Let us together pursue him. Let us together hunger and thirst for him. Let us commit. What are we going to fast? How are we going to fast? And let us begin that this week. And then let's come together on these evenings. Listen, this is important, and then I'm done. Let us come together these three evenings. Make it a point. And the reason I say that is not that coming to this place in the evenings when it's your own personal time with your family and all the other things that you have to get done, not that that in some way, again, makes us some more spiritual group. It is a discipline. Let's just discipline ourselves to say, you know what? There are things I make time for. We, I do. I was just telling somebody, you know, not too long ago, I was thinking back to my football days. I'm like, I can think of maybe one time from my freshman year of high school to my senior year of college where I missed football practice. One. Sickness. Injury, regardless, I was there. Oh, how easy it is for me to come up with every which excuse when I don't want to go to church. <clears throat> oh, man, can't make it this morning. I don't want to get anybody else sick. Oh, I feel something twinge in my hamstring. I don't want to. You know, I mean, it's like the simplest thing. So I'm just saying, it is just a, it's a discipline for us to say, you know what? Coming together as a body matters. And when I'm present, what I bring, whatever it may be, just as an encouragement, just to show others that we're coming together, matters. It makes a difference. It changes the atmosphere of the space when I'm present. You are that important. That when we come together tonight, when there's five people here, hey, the five of us, we're going for it. But when there's 50 people here saying together, we're going to make this a priority in our lives, oh my goodness, it changes something dramatic. That the look and the feel of the room and the atmosphere in which as we worship and as we pray together, it changes. And you mean the way to do that on a Tuesday? Craziness. Who does that? God only gets one day out of the week. He knows this, 10%. I don't think the math works. But anyway, I'm challenging if we want to see things happen different than we've ever seen, then we have to do things different than we've ever done. And I think part of that is us coming together. Part of that is being committed to Christ himself and our pursuing him together. It's encouraging one another. It's being an encouragement, even in our weakness, even where we fall short. So I love this, this men's conference, this Iron Sharpens Iron conference. Because it is just about that, that together we sharpen one another, which is why us being present together is so important. All right. So with that being said, 
in your hands. Can the worship team, you guys come up? We're going to finish with the last few minutes that we, we have here together, and it'll only be five more minutes or so. But what we want to do is you were given the, an envelope and you were given your um, index card. And in light of the realities of this truth of us pursuing God together, I'm going to give us a little bit of different instruction than what was given last year and what you did last year. So there's two sides to the index card that you have. And on one side, and it's the only, you're the only one that's going to see it because, again, at the end, you're going to put in the envelope, you're going to seal it, and I'll give you the instructions there. But on the one side of the card, I want you to think about, even for yourself, how you personally wish to pursue God differently this year. Right? So, so even, even, in, even in your own, as you think about your own pursuit of God, you think about maybe what it's looked like in the past of maybe it's been a, a half-hearted pursuit. Maybe it's been a kind of a, a lackadaisical, like God's been an afterthought, and this year I want to make him a focus. Maybe it's this year there's, there's a sense of creating a quiet time in my life that I've never done before. Maybe, you know, and this year I'm going to stop making excuses for, for not showing up at church or whatever, but I'm going to actually make it whatever that is that you're going to do. I want the first side of that just to be a personal pursuit statement. That God, I want to pursue you in a new way, and I want it's going to look like because I want next year when you get this back to look and see, did I follow through? How did, let me grade myself. And then on the back side, then I want you to put your prayer and your expectation and your just heart's desire and dream for this coming year. So, and that could be your, that could be your intercession. That could be your request. That could be your, I got, I desperately want to see this person can say, and maybe you did that last year and that didn't happen, push it forward. Because <laughs> God doesn't work on our timeline. And he doesn't work on our 365-day calendar. And he didn't count December 31st as the end of which he's doing things. So we cannot expect that he will. But we can, we have expectation that he will. But if he doesn't, doesn't mean he's not. It just means keep trusting. Keep pressing in. So two sides to it. One is personal. One is just about your pursuit statement of how you want to pursue God in a new way, in a fresh way this year. And on the back side, you can put that thing that you are expectantly hoping for in this new year. And I just want to capture that. And we want to be praying into that, even in this week of prayer and fasting, as you remember those things. And God willing, in 2020, how crazy is that? You will receive these back. And you will get to see where God moved in your own life personally and also on behalf of that which you were praying for. So as our worship team leads us, please just take moments to write that. And as you're done, as you seal them and write your name on them, just as we did last year, just bring them and lay them at the altar. Just bring them and you can say a prayer, whatever you want to do, and just put them down anywhere up here on the stage and they'll be collected and they'll be assembled. Um, but that's how we want to finish our time. And as you complete that, um, you, are, you are free to go. Let me just pray for us as you're doing that. Lord God, just thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth, God. Thank you for your call to us to engage with you in a tangible, physical way such as fasting. Not just praying, God, but, but that we want through our action, through, through a tangible way, we want to give up some 
earthly pleasure, something that we, we even find value in to say, no, nothing is more valuable than you, than my pursuit of my relationship with you. Therefore, I will give up food. Therefore, I will give up the TV. Therefore, I will give up Facebook. Therefore, I'll give up whatever it might be in pursuit of you, God. Let this small hindrance, inconvenience in my life remind me of how much I desperately need you. And so, God, I pray for that. I pray for every card that's being written. I pray for everything that you want to do in us and through us in 2019. God, I ask that you would do immeasurably more than we could even ask or imagine. God, I pray that as we thank you for what you've done in 2018, Lord God, that our hearts would be encouraged. Whether you answered our prayer or not, Lord God, that our hearts would be encouraged, Lord God, because we know that you are still a prayer-answering God, that you still meet our every need. So God, we give this to you. God, bless us this week as we go about our week of prayer and fasting. God, do a mighty, mighty work in your church. In Jesus' name we pray.